and welcome. Thanks for tuning in to Cloud Civilizations. With the help of guests, we explore human experiences of the digital, getting up close and personal with subcultures on social media platforms, anecdotal stories of digital tools, to people's opinions on digital phenomena. I'm your host, Young Lo, currently pursuing a master's in digital anthropology. With the digital as common ground, I'm hoping to also broaden your perspectives to the different contexts and possibilities that may or may not exist outside of your daily experience. Without further ado, let's dive into the Humanly Digital. Today's episode is a continuation of our Digital Dynamics Zero series, where we uncover individuals' experiences of the Shanghai citywide lockdown during spring 2022 through a digital lens. In this episode, I'll be speaking with my friend Stephen about run philosophy, or Rinxue, a term that went viral online near the start of the two-plus-month lockdown. The term itself is the Chinese character Rin, which loosely translates to smooth, sleek, moist, to polish or embellish, and also related to profit. However, the reason it went viral is totally unrelated, but because the pinyin or romanization of Rin is R-U-N, run. I only became aware of it during the lockdown when Rin became synonymous with figuring out how to literally run away from life under harsh lockdown, often by immigrating from the country. But I learned from Stephen and researching the episode that the term was used online before the lockdown to indicate escaping external systemic circumstances such as the oppressive corporate culture common in big Chinese cities. So to give everyone some quick background info to download on Rin before we launch into the episode, in the Guardian article by Vincent Nee, he quotes Rachel Murphy, who is a professor of Chinese development and society at Oxford, and she analyzes the rise of this viral term to kind of be in parallel with, quote, other sentiments that have in recent years become popular in China's social media, such as lying flat, tangping, taking an extended break from relentless work, end quote. In the China Narrative substack, Kathy Huang notes in an article that on April 3rd, which was the exact same day the government reiterated the dynamic zero COVID policy, the number of searches for immigration increased by 440% on WeChat. Another stat that Huang quotes, during the week of March 28th to April 3rd, which coincided with the enforcement of the citywide lockdown, searches for the phrase Conditions for moving to Canada increased by 2,846%, Tencent reported. Though this may be viewed as a harmless online term that went viral and everyone had a laugh about it during the lockdown, it can point to a wider challenge the CCP faces of retaining younger talent within the country. So that's a quick download of the context which Rinxue, or Run Philosophy, comes from. And now onwards with the episode. Thank you for joining me tonight slash this afternoon. Uh, so yeah. we can start with you introducing yourself a little bit. Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Stephen, born in Shanghai, and I lived in the city during my uh, past 25 years, basically, and I'm currently uh, moving to Vancouver, China, and start my master program in management. Yeah, nice. So I I know that you've been moving into um, Canada, and you've just been taking a lot of trips to IKEA recently. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can say that again. Yeah. So because we are a digital-focused podcast, could you mm-hmm. tell me one of your favorite things you've encountered on a digital platform this week or maybe yeah, your absolutely. favorite 
digital tool Absolutely, at the moment. Absolutely, yeah. It's definitely got to be Amazon because, you know, it's kind of, a, it's, it's really a hand for application. Basically, you can get everything you need it. And also the, the IKEA's application. It's really pragmatic. It seems like you're a big fan of IKEA and Amazon deliveries. Yeah, but is it yeah. is it really better than and Taobao? Is it really better than Taobao in China? I feel like Taobao you can get so much more stuff for cheaper. I think that's kind of the uh, I would say that the environment is kind of different because Taobao is kind of uh, I mean the consumer behavior uh, like in China here are very different. Let's say uh, for for these kind of tiny stuffs like uh, uh, let's say kind of lamp kind of lights which is not really like ele uh, electrical yeah. electrical yeah, appliances or container for the soap it's really easy to find in china i also wanted mm. to look for stuff like soap holders and little household things that we needed um on amazon but the stuff that came up was definitely less choice than taobao and mm. also just more expensive in terms of choice it's like the yeah. style or the design so yeah, I definitely relate to you. <laughs> Anyways, so today's topic, we're going to be tackling the run movement in China, yeah. which has stemmed from the Shanghai lockdown. And Stephen yeah. and I were both locked down. Uh, Stephen was there for a lot longer than me. I kind of left in May, but Stephen was there the entire time and was also probably one of the people who made me know about the run movement. So I guess we can start with some basic questions about your experience in Shanghai lockdown. How long exactly were you locked down in Shanghai? Well, it's, it's a bit hard to say because I, uh, I mean, I've been locked down earlier than the official lockdown city, basically. I start my lockdown back to like early March. Early um, March, like, yeah. Like we got a close contact in that office building. All the staffs are required to get self-quarantined within the building like for 48 oh, hours. I remember yeah. this. I remember you sent us pictures yeah. on our group chat. For context, in early March, whenever there were positive cases or close contacts tracked in any public building, whether that be a mall, an office building, a gallery, a museum, a restaurant or a cafe, Everyone recorded, whether by big data, through COVID tracing apps, or via the building's CCTV camera, to have been there with those cases were mandated by law to stay within the vicinity or return if they had left. People would get an official text or be notified in other ways, and they'd be quarantined in that building for 48 hours, where regular PCR tests would be conducted to root out new positive cases. There were some wild stories, such as when diners at a hot pot restaurant were quarantined there for two days after a case was detected there. And thankfully, the staff were really nice and provided food for the two days. And there were cases of people trapped in the milk tea shop, kitchen staff in a fancy restaurant. And in Stephen's case, on International Women's Day, March 8th, there was a close contact in his office. And you lit, you worked in a really big office building and then you had to basically sleep over with all your colleagues and your bosses. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you had to choose one word or sentence to describe your experience of Shanghai lockdown, why, what would you choose and why? Well, I would say anxiety. Anxiety. I can I can feel that people like around me like like during our daily chats like uh, when I was chatting with my friends when I was chatting with my families like my colleagues all people around me I can feel a, a strong sense of anxiety people are just like scared 
just basically from I, I would say that from the very start it was like kind of local breakout just kind of scattered places so basically it's, it's, it's not really a big deal because we've been living with that for the past few years and people are just getting used to it but suddenly you find that things are getting like more and more like out of control and you can see Stephen is saying that over the course of the last two years of COVID-19 most people living in Shanghai got pretty used to the very occasional breakouts and subsequent enforced residential community quarantine or mandatory testing. These were obviously still disruptive but affected fewer people since they targeted the specific location or local area where positive cases stemmed from. Widespread anxiety only became noticeable when local lockdowns, snowballs in numbers and measures became more drastic. And during the lockdown, people are feeling very anxious and especially for the irregularities that basically we can say that there isn't a official or aligned announcement from the government because mm -hmm. they're basically changing the policies every day. We actually got a WeChat group in our compound, in our building. People are worried about if their food supplies are enough, if there is any medical requirements. Some people also worry about uh, if there is a uh, like cases surge in our own compound, which didn't actually happen. So yeah, yeah. but people still worry about because the, there is a like, visuals and rumors. We see a lot of visuals like the videos that Stephen went on to describe, which sparked a lot of fear and outrage among Shanghai residents, were of police and also public health workers forcefully, often violently breaking into people homes when they were a positive case or a close contact and they refused to go to quarantine centers. People are forced to be taken away by police for the being like confirmed as a cases or kind of uh, close contacts and with this violence individual and people are just basically scared. For starters, to introduce our theme, what does run really mean and why did Chinese netizens use that term instead of calling it what it is, which is kind of just immigrating from China or leaving Shanghai to other cities or towns in China. Yeah, I suggest that only according to my point of view, people are just saying it's a kind of funny way to some extent. You can find these kind of phenomenon on the uh, Chinese social platforms as well. Basically, people are tend to make the serious things less serious because I don't think people get enough energy to talk about these kind of serious topics enough people are basically using these terms to 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 like to ease themselves yeah to, like also to ease their anxiety during the lockdown mm -hmm. uh really wrong philosophy yeah. So actually, Stephen told me that the first time he had ever seen the term online was a few months before the lockdown began in February 2022. It wasn't it wasn't very like popular during that time, as far as I can tell. Yeah, I would like to quote what econ economists said. It's kind of a coded way of talking the immigration. Before the lockdown, people around me and a lot of Chinese netizens are... Uh, Stephen explained that pre-lockdown, netizens seemed to be using it in a wider range of ways that did not exclusively mean immigrating to overseas quote-unquote Western countries, but overall was a light-hearted way of saying running away from something. You could run from the big metropolitan city back to the comfort of your hometown, or run from your town into the exciting city. He noticed that people in his surrounding social circles and also relatively more liberal, forward-thinking Chinese netizens were using it to talk about immigration on public platforms like Weibo, which is Chinese Twitter. That was because otherwise they'd possibly invite attacks from other netizens for discussing immigration. Openly talking about moving away from China was essentially implying that they are uh, they are betraying their own country and they are not being patriotic. Mm. Yeah, people are using that word "run" instead of immigration because it makes less seriously and uh, so 
that's last like opportunity to be attacked on oh China. i see so for starters run is kind of a coded way uh in as you quoted the economist a coded way of talking about immigrating from yeah, china exactly. and then you mm. think that essentially why people use that first reason is because people got attacked when they talked about immigrating so they yeah. used it as a way of like oh we're just making a joke you can't attack us it's yeah. a kind of soft mm. armor i suppose Secondly, another way of saying it like that is because during the lockdown, when everyone was feeling so anxious, so stressed and so depressed all the time, it was a way of, I guess, making a joke to kind of make it a bit easier for us every day to kind of get on with life. So I guess from your personal observations, did the mood on these online forums or on your WeChat which is your WeChat feed, were people still taking it as a funny joke or did the mood change? The mood changed dramatically during during the whole process. Let's go back to the February. People are basically referring to immigrating domestically rather than immigrating abroad. At the very beginning of the lockdown, people are anxious about the future because they haven't expected such a thing to happen in Shanghai. But a lot of people in Shanghai feel a little bit privileged because they are living in the uh, big city in China. So people are saying that this kind of scales of lockdown won't happen in Shanghai because they won't believe that the government have the capabilities or to uh, have, have the confidence to that such a dramatic lockdown. When it happened, it was kind of like their own belief has been smashed. Stephen recounted the change in citizens' mood at the start of lockdown, which largely explains what drove the Renology phenomenon to go viral. Lots of people were desperate, anxious and furious. Few expected a cosmopolitan, modernized city like Shanghai to go through such extents. But it did, and many people's vision of a great China was smashed by the subsequent actions and policies experienced by the city, as well as news circulating on social media. Stephen said it was a turning point for many because one's security no longer seemed guaranteed and the future of the country seemed especially bleak. But on the other hand, Stephen notes that amongst many local Shanghainese, immigration was already quite a common practice before the pandemic or the lockdown. There is actually also a kind of a tradition in Shanghai. A lot of Shanghainese are already immigrating abroad. For example, a lot of my relatives are moving to Japan or they moved to Japan like oh. the past few years. And because of the COVID, some of them returned back to China because during the very first period of the outbreak, and China Chinese government did like control it swiftly and efficiently. So basically, a lot of people abroad are coming back. So Stephen notes that many who returned from abroad because China seemed safer than other countries at the start of the pandemic started to question the decisions and reconsidered moving away again after seeing the worst scenario which the Shanghai lockdown triggered. From the start of lockdown, people started exchanging information online on feasible plans for immigration. But at the end of the lockdown, as more and more rumours and news putting the government in a negative light circulated... The government just basically, they uh, strengthened their censorship. And so people are using Ron as a kind of way to discuss it to avoid antagonise the censorship. Ah, I see. Because Ron was such a big thing um, on Chinese social media, what are some stories related to Ron which you remember really clearly? I heard news in the WeChat group with my colleagues. I seen a screen capture from Twitter, basically a student saying that their student visa are just being denied at the airport. So the whole story Stephen recounted was a student who had a student visa for a language school abroad. They got questioned by an immigration officer as they were leaving through Shanghai airport. 
and because the lessons were held online, the officer determined that there was no need for the student to be physically abroad, and apparently not only snipped their visa, but cut their passport. It's so outrageous, and it's really beyond people's imagination because this kind of things is already expected in Shanghai. Like, yeah, and- yeah. Anyways, you yourself began posting a lot of run-related resources and information yeah. on WeChat. I guess what made you start doing this? From the very beginning, yeah, I also feel very、uh, furious about what is happening in Shanghai. I start to like to post a lot of videos, these articles criticizing the actions taken by government. But I found that these kind of articles are deleted by the government. So I escalate my actions, like to share a lot of other stuffs, like BBC News. I found that people don't really feel like seeing these kind of videos because they are reported by the foreign media.、Uh, foreign media. Given these two reasons, I started just thinking about if I am going to change another method, I'm not gonna protest in a forceful way.、Uh, I might transfer to another way to vent my ah yeah、uh, your frustrations. So I guess you started to gather these resources and distribute them to people who were really interested to leave. What were your main sites to gather these resources from? From the first time, I was sharing the videos, like taking a walk everywhere around the world. So what Stephen is referring to here is that during the lockdown, he reposted lots of immersive videos on his WeChat feed, where the creators would film a walk through cities around the world. For instance, taking a walk in Paris, Tokyo, Vancouver, London, etc., etc. I wanted people around me to really feel that that the environment abroad is really nice, especially during the lockdown. People can get outside. So. Watching these videos are also like feeling that you are really being put in that environment, so that gives you. A and below these videos he'd share, Stephen would attach a link to resources and detailed plans on how people could actually immigrate to the place featured in that video above. These links are usually from Zhihu, a question-answer-based website similar to Quora, where the community of users can exchange answers and know-how across different forums. Some of the、uh, immigration agencies and also the students, people who has this kind of experiments in studying abroad, in immigration abroad, they will post their information or sharing something. Yeah, this is a quite a、uh, abstract question, but if run happens in an offline space, so say if we weren't all confined into our homes and interacting just ninety percent of the time digitally at that time, how do you think it'd be different than how it turns out? I can actually find this very different,、uh, online, offline. Because I started this kind of discussion with my friends during lunch together after the lockdown. Some of my friends are not very willing to talk about these kind of topics because they think that the lockdown has passed away. Their daily life has been back to normal to some extent. So basically, Ron is not really a first choice for them. But what about the friends who continued these online discussions of Ronology offline after the lockdown officially ended? What makes them different from those who are no longer as willing to discuss ronology? There's a, a subtle difference between these two kinds of people.、Uh, people are willing to talk about or taking it seriously are those who already has the plan before the、uh. pandemic, even before 2022. They they might have been planning for 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 years. Yeah, and, and some 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 of the plans are just being disrupted by the pandemic outbreak.、Fair. And people are taking it seriously. Also, have The capability to immigration to to study abroad. Yeah, so I mean, you're saying it's a、yeah. certain elite or a certain people of a social class or economic standing that be able to afford it、yeah. in the first place. Exactly. 
Yeah, exactly. So I would rather say that the, the lockdown was a kind of trigger to their plans. Yeah,、um, I guess run or run show became much more popular. Through digital spaces during lockdown, and so I find it interesting because it reflects larger trends or changing attitudes that is sweeping through China today. So, for you, what does this online phenomena kind of represent? I would say this online phenomenon represents a kind of short-lived emotions. You can't really say that this phenomenon represents the desperation towards the government or towards the China itself, because basically you can find that those people are also very furious towards the United States during、uh, during Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan.、So、it's very hard to say that they are against a specific target, but there is some kind of emotion that is consist in this phenomenon, which is the anxiety and the desperation. Or distress people are felt during their daily lives. So Stephen argues that run philosophy or runology isn't necessarily a lasting phenomenon in itself, but the drivers behind why it went viral in the first place online during lockdown reflects wider, longer-term sentiments. He attributes more macro effects such as China's slowing economic growth, the Sino-American trade war, and geopolitical tensions to the overall national anxiety and greatly reduced optimism for the future. And due to the economic aftermath, people are being overworked. Unsustainable workloads are eroding into personal lives, and high stress is consistent through daily life. The run phenomenon is merely a manifestation of this national mood. Because so essentially, it was not a new thing. It was always existing. It was just a really obvious reason for people to vent. And then for people to let out all that negative emotions and the daily、mm. accumulated stress from stuff. The lasting impact of runology perhaps isn't as widespread as I initially may have predicted, but Stephen explains to me in more detail using Mandarin that he observed that the cohort who were most shocked or outraged by the obstacles local citizens faced when wanting to leave China were in fact already stakeholders of global living pre-pandemic. 非直接利益相关者，如果他不是急着说要出去留学的，或者说他本身不喜欢出国游玩，他根本就不 care 这些，他就完全说这就是白搞的事情，这个是在。So these stakeholders were people who liked traveling abroad, those who studied or worked abroad, or had wanted to immigrate in the near future. Speaking from his experience, the whole runology phenomenon left such a huge impression purely because at the time he was really anxious to get his study permit for Canada. For a large majority of others, even those who had studied abroad in the past, such news perhaps did not leave as lasting of an impression. To others, it simply didn't directly affect them enough to be that invested, especially after the citywide lockdown had been lifted. Thank you very much. Really interesting discussion. I think I learned a lot of new things as well. So thank you for your time. Thank you as well. And a massive thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in to this episode of Cloud Civilizations. We have one more episode left of the Digital Dynamic Zero series, where we've explored the Shanghai lockdown. So please stay tuned for that. Until next time.